is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. We dare you to explore the unspeakable. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey there, Trevor. And on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 264. This time around, you're hanging out with the exceptional talented award-winning actor Katya Herbers. The time of release, the season finale of what TV Guide has named the best show on TV and is also being called its most disturbing, Evil, available Sunday on Paramount+. Plus. Explore a world with demonic goat therapists, viral songs that make people plunge scissors into their ears, possessions, murder, and more. Unveil the mysteries contained within the show itself that bears clues to a real-life treasure hunt while you prep for season three. Get wicked with the absolutely delightful Katya Herbers on episode 264 now playing. Hi there. My name is George. Remember me? I was once the demon of Kristen's dreams. Now how about I'm yours? There's a saying that a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Do you want to know what's coming this season on Evil? Are you absolutely sure? Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a wonderfully gifted storyteller who studied psychology before following her passion to the Academy of Theater and Dance in Amsterdam. Before even graduating... She appeared in the award-winning feature Peter Bell and alongside Ellen Burstyn and Glenn Close in 2003's Brush With Fate before finding her home on stages across the Netherlands, including performances with Munich Kammerspiel, known as the most exciting and adventurous theater in Germany. She was cast in Oscar-nominated Ben Sumbogart's The Storm, the critically acclaimed hit TV series Divorce, and in 2013 won the Guido Dumour Award for a young talent while in Chekhov's Three Sisters and ignited Theo Bormann's Emmy and Prix d'Europe winning The chosen one. Meanwhile, she made a massive mark internationally on a handful of Emmy-winning TV shows like The Americans, Manhattan, and Westworld, created unforgettable characters in HBO's The Leftovers, Manhunt, and 2017's Golden Film-winning Love Over Distance. This past year, she starred in the dark comedic thriller The Columnist that everyone fell in love with. It had its debuts at Fantasia and Fright Fest. Her latest is the TV series Evil. Season 2 is airing Sundays exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. She plays forensic psychologist Kristen Bouchard, who teams up with a priest in training and a blue-collar contractor assigned to investigate the church's archives of unexplained miracles, mysteries, and demonic possessions, bridging the gap between science and religion. It is an absolute blast to experience. It's terrifying. It's inventive. It's got a wicked sense of humor. Named the best show on television by TV Guide, as well as TV's most disturbing show, and earning four nominations at the Critics' Choice Super Awards for Best Horror Series, Best Actor, and Best Actress in a Horror Series. We are honored to welcome that very actress, who is the centerpiece of it all, Katja Herbers. Yeah! Wow. yeah. <laughs> you make me sound so much better, you know, you made me sound so much better than I am. Oh, like, what are you talking oh, about? My oh, God, please. it takes a maestro to hold down the insanity of, yeah. <laughs> of evil. <laughs> yeah. So listen, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Congrats on the show's success. And over the summer, we learned that the insanity is going to continue with the third season. Just off the top, 
What do you think it is that Robert and Michelle King have cultivated here that makes it so compelling and fun? I I, I don't I don't really know. They're they're just they're kind of wild geniuses in, in that every time I get a new script, it start it, it seems to shift. Like I feel like I know the show, and then you know, this season we get a silent episode, or they just keep they keep going further into this world that they've created. And I, I, I'm stunned by how good the writing is. And I, I'm really honored to get to play Kristen on the show. And it really, yeah. really is incredible writing. I don't know. How would you define the show? It's not a thriller. It's not a horror. It's not a comedy yet. It's all these things together. Um, it has a procedural element. We, uh, but you also go on this journey with these characters. I, I don't really know what to compare it to. I, I have no idea how to do yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's what makes it so refreshing yeah. and addictive. Yeah. And I wanted to start, too, going back to the beginning for you and just uh, just talk a little bit about horror and the power of exploring things through that. What is your relationship to the horror genre as a viewer? Are you a fan at all? Did you grow up watching horror films? I kind of really didn't because I'm, I'm, I, I get scared very easily. <laughs> However, to get to play horror is wonderful because you get to take things to the extreme, you know, and for, for people to do really crazy shit like you do in horror, sometimes you have to be in a place mentally that is very challenging for an act- actor to go to. So I love acting in horror. However, I, I don't really watch. Do you remember the very first time you ever were exposed to a horror film? Well, I watched The Shining and I was really angry that I had to watch, but I think I was like 12 years old or something. But those twins in, in that hallway, they still haunt me. Yeah, I just get angry when I feel worse when I watch something than before I watched it. I just but I feel like evil is I can I can watch evil because it does actually weirdly. I find it kind of a hopeful show. Because these these main characters, you know, while combating evil, they they are good people, I think. Well, I'm maybe me questionable. I'm not sure. But at least you see people with different points of view talking to each other and trying to figure this world out, which I think we're all doing right. Because evil is all around us in, you know, if you believe in the religious sense of evil or in, in, in just bad people doing crazy shit because they're awful. But there's clearly a lot of bad stuff going on. And I, I kind of find the show hopeful because of because of these main characters. Yeah, the show is a very amazing conduit to explore that nature of evil itself. And as you said, episodes have touched on things like the cruelty of the immigration process and racism yeah. and religion. And in this current season, A is for Angel, even the pandemic comes up in the background. What do you think it is about the mechanics of horror that make it such a powerful way to explore and meditate on issues that we're facing every day? I think there's a level of freedom that comes when you are able to take it to take something to the furthest place possible. And I actually yeah, you kind of can take it to a to a philosophical place almost, and I think that's that's a that's a really fertile ground to to tell to tell a story in a in a in a different way. I mean, we have a demon therapist in the books. <laughs> I, I don't know, right. like what show has that, and what show 
pulls that off and then you still keep watching and you're not like, this show is just too crazy for me. I'm out. It actually kind of enhances the whole thing. And you're like, sure, they have a demon therapist. Bring it on. <laughs> He's wearing a goat suit. You know, I, I love that about the show. Their, their humor, uh, the, the King's humor is so quirky and, and weird. And yeah, they don't seem to be afraid to cross any genre lines, you know? Yeah. No, so, the show is completely yeah. fearless. And for yeah. anyone listening who has not been indoctrinated into the pleasures of evil yet, let us tell you something. This is a show whose first episode has a like a charbroiled demon named George who pees in the corner of a room. All right. <laughs> On season one, episode seven, an internet song goes so viral that kids are jamming scissors and pencils into their ears. And as Kasha said most recently, you for UFO, shadowy government secrets, a goat therapist gets decapitated and cooked and served it is batshit crazy and it's astonishing for a viewer but i would imagine it would be an absolute adventure for an actor how does that unpredictability keep you on your feet and challenge you and the thrill of getting these scripts and and what you get to explore just as an actor i i mean uh it's both in- incredibly uh, humbling because every time I do get a, a new script, I'm like, holy fuck, how am I, how am I going to pull that off? You know, and you you probably you haven't seen the last episode, so I won't spoil anything. But like the cliffhanger of this thing, I was like, OK, that's the, the hardest thing I've ever gotten to act. I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to lock myself in a room for two weeks to figure that out. But I couldn't. I was working. But um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I just try to meet the material and then. I think the scariest thing for me this season that I that I got to play was was probably not the demons really, but the fear of of losing my mind, which I think is what's happening to Kristen. Right at the end of the first season, people who haven't seen it just mute me for five seconds. Um, I kill some. I kill the guy who's been threatening my children, and so. However, I, I do think I did the right thing, but obviously that's going to cause some 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 issues in my in my psyche. So she thinks that she's in completely unbothered by it and, and would do it again and seems kind of weirdly empowered by it and sort of more put in her sexuality even and goes out, you know, flirting and, you know, picking up some guys, maybe potentially she's kind of out there. And then um but but she's pretending not to be affected by it. But obviously she is affected by it because I don't think you can kill someone and, and not, you know, I don't know. I haven't killed someone. But I imagine if you're not a complete psychopath, you're going to you're going to have some mental issues with that. You're, you're going to like she's repressing it and it's going to come have to come out. So, you know, she she starts self mutilizing. We see this. She she's committing some adultery and some stuff and. Uh, she has sex with like really weird masks on. <laughs> like I, my husband comes home and I'm like, sure, I'll have sex with you. Let me first gag you and put on a rat on your head and let me just wear a lion and let me fuck you that way. Cause that's the only way I understand how to do it right now. Cause Cause I'm different. And he's like, you're different. We got to go to therapy. And I'm like, I'm not different. Fuck off. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I mean, imagine getting that script and just going like, holy cow, I'm going to what? 
So I, I just try to make it really real and grounded, you know, and try to be a person who who psychologically could have ended up in this place. And I feel like I understand her and I understand that she can't, you know, just have like cutesy sex with her husband af- anymore after what's happened. Like she she needs to something needs to <laughs> some something needs to um, she needs to give a form to, to some of this rage or, or this guilt or, or whatever. So so that's been really challenging and really you know wonderful to get to play. How is it that you managed to pull all that off while still maintaining an air of mystery or holes for the audience to insert themselves and, and for them to interpret what she's going through? What's that balancing routine like? Well, I think she's so complex and, and she's kind of such a, a mystery to herself at this point. She's kind of falling apart while keeping it all together you know, kind of, and, and still being a, a good mother, good enough mother, uh, loving, but I don't think she knows who she is. She could go in any, any direction. I, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to see what direction I'll actually go in in the third season. I really think anything's possible. So I think because she's a mystery to herself, she will also be a bit of a mystery to, to the audience watching. You, you don't know how she's going to respond. And I like playing with that. So, for instance, in this last episode, uh, B is for brain. There was a scene where, or no, the, the UFO one, U is for UFO. There was a scene where my husband's like, we got to talk to the kids, you know, because of that that viral video where I knocked the guy out in the supermarket because he, you know, skipped the line. Everyone has wanted to do that. I got to do that, which was great. So he's like, you know, the girls have seen this. They all think you're a hero. And now I got to go explain to them that that's not how we behave in this family. So I'm like, okay, great. Well, we'll do sit down. I'll tell them this is actually not good. So I say, well, I overreacted. This is actually not how we do things. And they're like, no, mom, you're a hero. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not. So I'm, I'm being very calm. And then the doorbell rings and I say, you all stay here. I'll go. So like this kind of weird shift, that's what I try to play with where you see her being being very sweet and, you know, a, a good mom. And then the, the tiniest thing will happen. And she's like, <laughs> she loses it again. So it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. Sorry to be here too, like too many spoilers. Cause I'm like talking about the whole season. Oh, no, no, it's great. It's no, great. Cause we're, we're yeah. going to have two different camps of people listening to this. So that's really important to include. That shocking thing you do at the end of season one of which carries on to season two. Is that a plot point that's going to get resolved by the end of the season, or will it lead to darker things down the line for your character? The murder. Well, I think she struggles with that the whole season. And, and the, the, the real question is, what is she going to do with this guilt that she pretends not to feel? And um, is she going to get some kind of absolvement for that or... Uh, is she just going to continue to act out until she's acted out enough uh, <laughs> that she feels like, I, I don't, I don't know, but we are going to get to the cliffhanger of season two is, is, is something else I, I couldn't have imagined it. So I, I think people will be, will be really screaming when it happens. The Boo Crew will be right back. The coffin opens and terror reaches out from beyond the grave. 
as the twins of evil evoke the power of vampirism and witchcraft. One twin uses her beauty for love. The other uses her lure for blood. Identical in body, but not in soul. Which is the innocent? Which is the vampire? Twins of evil. They use the satanic power of their bodies to turn men and women into their blood slaves. <laughs> Warning, watch out. You won't be able to resist the twins of evil. From Universal, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Heavy occult themes in exorcisms and the church. And famously, we hear that James Wan, for instance, has the sets of the Conjuring films blessed. Is that ever a concern on the set of evil? Do they bring in any consultants or experts to make sure things stay pretend? Um, well, when we do an exorcism, we actually do have a priest there who, can, who, who knows how to conduct an exorcism. And so sometimes that can be that can be really strange where, you know, it's really bloody and gory and clearly this person is being tortured. And we're like, is, is this good? He's like, yeah, that's exactly how it goes. I would maybe tune it up a little. And they're oh, my God, like, that's an actual horror film going on, you know, on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, we do that in America. So, um, yeah, that's pretty creepy. And then have we had other, other stuff? I try to stay away from that because that actually that that messes with my brain. If I start to think, you know, is there actually any I'm, I'm a little too method active for that, you know, to start to mess with me. What are your thoughts on demonic possession and the paranormal? Are you a believer unlike your character or have you had any experiences? I'm not a I'm not a believer. I, I, I don't believe in in God or Satan. Um, I, I'm from Holland and it says this is a very secular country. So I didn't really grow up with any religion. I, I have like encountered some weird stuff, which I will not completely disregard. <laughs> but um, and I do think there's more than, you know, we can see probably with the eye. And I, I like the idea of being open to things. I definitely do not believe in you know, the original sin or that people that there is a balance of good and evil in this world and um, that you can, I believe maybe in the placebo effect of an exorcism, which is what Kristen starts to believe in kind of sort of, which maybe you could, you know, compare to an ayahuasca uh, ceremony or something where people go and vomit, uh, you know, for, for two days and then they feel really clear in the, in the brain. Like, I don't know. I've never done that. I'd be interested to do that, but um, so maybe if you're, you know, tied up to a chair and, and people are saying like, let the evil take the evil out of this woman and, and you're, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll do something for you. Right. Yeah. It, you'd it, think it, some oh, sort of energy yeah. shift at least. Right. Well, yeah. Cause you're, you go, you go through suffering and then, if, you know, if you believe that that's going to cure you, the, the power of the mind, I think is, you know, the biggest thing we have, we can self-destruct. Or, or we can build ourselves up. And so if you believe that going through an exorcism is going to take away all the stuff that's bothering you, uh, uh, more power to you. Great. Um, I don't know. No, that makes sense. 
one of our favorite episodes, and we met, you mentioned it earlier before, is Ask for Silence. Almost oh, yeah. the entire thing filmed without speaking, except for yeah. you know a few whispered huddles here and there. And you communicate with a Casper the Friendly Ghost magic board. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the experience like of not being able to use your voice as a, as a performance tool? How did you prepare for it? And how fun was it flipping around in the whiskey barrel? <laughs> oh, that was fun. Uh, well, you know what? It wasn't actually that different because the words you say... I mean, I had less lines to learn, which was which was nice mid-season. But um, the acting isn't that different. Maybe it's less work. It, you just get to do so much more. And it left room for a lot of improvisation, which I loved very much. Because Robert King was didn't only um, write the episode together with Michelle King, but he directed it. And when he directs it, you know... I can I can throw all kinds of funny stuff at him or stuff that I find funny and he'll go like that's funny we'll keep that or no don't do that like for instance there's a scene in there where you know I'm put in this little creepy room and all these statues are there and then I see I think it's John the Baptist or something and he's standing there and he's looking at me like huh and and then Kristen kind of goes like well maybe I'll do a little striptease for this guy <laughs> And she throws her thing, you know, her, throws her clothes at him. And so that was a little improv I did during rehearsal. And he was like, that's funny. We'll do that. Or like, for instance, um, I'm sitting, I'm being sent away because I can't dine with the men because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible person without a penis. So I have to move away to sit with the other nuns. And so now I'm very far away from David. And, and I was like, oh, I got to come up with like, a sign language thing. I don't do sign language. So I did like a, (laughs) but so those kinds of things were really fun little things that I just got to add that maybe if you had lines, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get creative in that way. So, so it was, it was a really wonderful exercise. And I think the episode turned out really great. It's one of my favorites. Oh yeah. And the set, the set design, I don't know if that's a real monastery or what, can you get us a little bit of an insight onto where that was filmed? Yeah, part of it was uh, it was upstate New York, and then the inside, you know, where we did the exorcisms, the room of of, of the nun that was all that that was staged. Uh, Ray Kluga is our is our wonderful set designer, um, and what was really really nice about this episode as well was that the lighting was almost exclusively from these little lanterns. Oh my gosh! Wow! Yeah, and so we would kind of do our own lighting in a scene where you'd come up and you'd run like, and you'd be like, you need to go talk like in right on your slate. And you'd have to remember to like put the light, like right here in wow. your face. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And, Choreography yeah. of all that. Right. Yeah, And you know, and there were a lot of candles and stuff. And I, I thought the episode looked stunning. I know that it was like 28 minutes too long. The first cut or the, the, the last, the, the second to last cut. Uh, because we just had come up with so much fun stuff to put in it. So luckily we're on Paramount Plus and not on CBS anymore because that does allow us to go, you know, over the 43 minutes that we would otherwise have to be, you know, and we don't have to, we, we're not dealing with commercial breaks and stuff anymore. So I think the episode is like 48 minutes, but it, it, it could have been like over an hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would have been awesome to watch as a fan, just saying. Yeah. But uh, okay. leading to for Paramount Plus, Leo, you had a follow up question about Paramount Plus. Yeah, with the show transitioning from CBS to Paramount Plus, has that opened up the playbook for Robert and Michelle King to play in a bigger horror sandbox to allow your character to have darker experiences 
more bloody, more gore, scarier demons and creatures. Yeah, I think they were never really hindered by CBS that much, actually. And they were allowed to do a bunch of stuff. However, like the sexual things, I think, can be more like we can show breasts. We can, you know, we can do that kind of stuff now. Um, So definitely. And maybe also, yeah, maybe we can make stuff a little bit more gory. There's like the most gory thing is about to come up in episode 11 or 12. Oh, wow. Oh my God. And I remember we shot it and I was just nauseated by shooting it. And then I heard we were reshooting it because it had to be more bloody. And I was yes. like, you're going to be fucking <laughs> Like, I cannot. Um, so, yeah, no, it's definitely going to get. And maybe that was after we moved to Paramount Plus. So, Leo, yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it did allow, it does allow us to get, you know, more out there, even more out there. I wanted to ask about this. I'm a prop junkie. And at the beginning of each episode in season two, there is the pop-up book of terrifying things that get us into the story. It's this elaborate, interactive, physical book that comes to life with artwork pertaining to each episode. Do you know anything about the story behind the book itself? Did they make one for each episode? Is it CGI? Is it a real book? What's the story with it? I think it's a real, it's a real book. And I mean, the kings have just such creative minds. Hey, who comes up with a book like that? And I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know the answer to this, but I know in the first season, you know, we had, we had all these numbers that were in the episodes. And so if you put all those numbers together and you figure out this riddle, because there were also these puzzle pieces, right? Embedded in the frames know. of the show. Yeah. And a bunch of people picked up on that online and they were like, what, what does that mean? So it actually all does mean something. And when you put all those puzzle pieces together, you end up with a map, I believe. And then if you if you include these numbers, you're going to get an address. And the address is somewhere in New York City. And if you go there, there's a treasure that's buried there personally by Robert King. Oh, my and God. And it hasn't been found. So please, bloody disgusting listeners. <laughs> Can someone figure this out? It's not hard. Robert King is very disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Have not been able to figure this out. It needs to happen. Okay. Oh my God. I can't wait to see what it is. Leo and I are going to solve this puzzle. We're on the case. Yes, we are. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, speaking of that and that lore embedded, and I mean this every episode of season two a letter is highlighted we don't know exactly the extent of i mean i guess it's going to be 13 letters what do you think that all those characteristics embedded into the show that immersive quality to the show that that watchers can kind of get involved in what do you think that adds as far as that extra layer to the show i think it adds almost like a childlike curiosity, Mm. you know, where it's like, it's exciting. Like what show has a treasure actually buried somewhere? I I love it. And you can, you can watch the show and not know about this and be, and be really, you know, really happy with it. Uh, It can be your favorite show, or you can be like some kind of super fan. And you're just like, wait, what? There's another layer to this. And what I, what I really like about Robert and Michelle King is that nothing that they do doesn't pay off. So I do not know the answer to this. I do not know if these letters actually mean something, but it would surprise me if there isn't, you know, some explanation there, something that we're going to see play out either either in the next season or 
I don't know, but yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So you've been really awesome and kind to kind of tease us towards what to expect through the rest of, of season two. But beyond this, there's going to be another, presumably, 13 more episodes in season three, and it's gotten pretty crazy so far. What is a situation that you'd like to see these three characters explore? That's a really good one. I don't know. I'm so happy to just see what they come up with because it's, you know, I'm an actor and uh, they come up with, with, with better stuff than I could come up with. But I will tell you that I hope that Kristen will continue on this path of badassery, empowerment, sort of a vigilante, maybe, you know, maybe she'll take out another really bad dude. I, I don't know. Could happen. Like it, it, it was interesting to me that in the second season, you remember when uh, LaRue comes, the guy who I killed comes back in my, in my hallucination. And he says, you know, I remember my first kill and it becomes addictive, etc. And I'm, and if you do it once, you could, you know, you, you, you want to do it again. It's like, it's like an orgasm or something. It's really like, he gets like insanely dark. Um, and, but that was in my mind, you know, cause he wasn't there. He didn't say that. I said that to myself in my mind. So I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen there. And then, um, I mean, I, they're, they're crazy. They're wonderful. They're brilliant. So they'll come up with some, some really interesting stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, one of the things I love about the show is the chemistry between your character, Kristen, and Mike Coulter's character, who plays a Jesuit in training, as well as Asif Mandu's uh, character, who plays the technical expert, Ben. What's your favorite episode thus far, acting with these guys? Well, um, I, I, I like every day with these guys, because they they're actually really, uh, they're, they're, we're, we're kind of good friends, and we take the piss all the time, so, so that's just a joy. Um, but I, I, I particularly loved this last episode that I saw, which was you for UFO. There's a scene where I tell David to, you know, not be a priest. And I thought that was, I liked that scene very much because it didn't start that way. The scene, because I think she was very troubled and she wanted to talk to her friend and we've kind of been holding off on this sexual chemistry that they have. And, and I do think these characters actually care for each other and would maybe be a good pair, but obviously it can't happen, et cetera. And, and, and I liked it. I, I felt it like, it like it had a lot of layers where there's a longing for him. And it's also kind of manipulative, manipulative to say it that way, because, you know, if I were a really good friend, then maybe I would just be supportive. And, and yeah, so, so I like those moments where, we start walking a tightrope, you know, uh, where it's like, oof, are they gonna, are, are they gonna do something about this chemistry that they clearly have? And then with Asif, I think they also have a, a chemistry, um, Ben and Kristen. I think there's all, you know, he's really good with her kids. And so he's kind of, yeah, 
yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Isn't that amazing that we can have, sit here and have a conversation about a show with heavy, dramatic, and romantic tones like this, and at the same time have demons peeing in the corner of a room? It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I guess that's what makes it fun, yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, last question. This is just a fun one. So we're at the beginning of spooky season leading up to Halloween. What do you enjoy doing for the season? I don't. Is there Halloween in Amsterdam? Do they celebrate it there? Did you grow up doing that? or There isn't. Nothing. What we do is like the QC version. Um, we do Saint Samaritan. Oh, what's that? Yeah, Saint Martin. I don't know okay. who's that. Probably a saint of some a saint with little lights. I don't know. But we all like the children all make little lights on a stick, and often they catch fire, which is kind of terrifying. But they're not supposed to. <laughs> and you like you walk and you sing a song. You ring someone's doorbell and you sing like a song about Saint Martin, and then you get a little candy. But we do this on November 11th, and you have to sing a song. It's not like, hi, give me your shit. Right. <laughs> Perform something. You got to do something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess educationally, it's maybe better. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting to learn. That's amazing. And do you, do you, do you, uh, have you ever partaken in the American Halloween festivities, going to I haunted have. houses and all that kind of stuff? Do you enjoy that at all? I love it. And I specifically love sitting on a stoop and handing out candy. However, I coming from Holland, I do want the kids to tell me something, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to give it to them. I want to know like, who are you? What are you playing? What does he say? What does he sound like? Well, uh, so, and they're like, give me that Mars bar. Shut up. <laughs> right. Oh, amazing. Right. Well, Katja, we won't take up any more of your time. We appreciated this so much. Thank you again so much for being so wonderful on this show. Yes. And everybody's yes. got to see it if you haven't discovered it already. Evil Sundays on Paramount Plus. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was lovely. That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 264. Special thanks to our guest, Katya Herbers. Follow her at Katya Herbers on Instagram. The time of release, the season finale of Evil, is available Sunday on Paramount Plus, where you can catch up and binge your way through this incredible show. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boot Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.